Amen. I greet every one of you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you will, uh, please open up your Bibles to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. Jesus has done great things for me, for you. So we will bless the Lord at all times. And, and because he has done what he has done, we are free today to lift up our hands and magnify him. We are not captivity in captivity, but we are free. We are not bound, but we are free. Free in mind, free in body and spirit. And because we are free, we can surrender that which needs to be surrendered unto Jesus Christ and give him all the praise. Again, open up your Bibles to James chapter 4, starting at verse 1. And, and what we just want to say before that is, so far, we have learned about faith. And by faith, we are tried. We have learned about wisdom. And if you lack wisdom, ask God. We know not to be a respecter of person with our faith. And most of all, faith without works is dead. Chapter 3 told us about controlling the tongue while exercising faith. And here in chapter 4, it talks about our war of the flesh. It is not the battle of man versus man, but the battle of man versus the lust of his flesh. As long as a man has breath in him, there will be war against something or someone. Verse 1 says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust, that war in your members? The war or battle we fight is in the mind. He who controls the mind controls his flesh. Galatians 5.17 says, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you have you cannot do the things that you would. First Peter told us, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Abstain means to refrain from. It is by your own choice meaning you are not being forced to do so. It is being done by your own decision. Can you see in your own body how you war about many things? Can you see how your flesh lusts and fights against your soul? When you are trying to decide what to do, and you know one of the things you want to do is wrong, that is war. A fight of flesh against spirit. Without pointing out any particular war of the flesh, let's look at what Romans 7.23 says. It says, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Let me read it this way. But I see another law in my body, working against the law of my mind, and making me the servant of the law of sin, which is in my flesh. We have two laws on one side and two on the other. The law of God 
and the law of the mind. The law of members and the law of sin. The law of God is the word of God. The law of the mind is the regenerated grace in the heart. This is what is spiritually new. The law of the members is the original lust. And the law of sin are those corrupt principles according to which lust governs. Romans 6 tells us not to yield our members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield ourselves unto God. Don't render yourself from what you have just been delivered from. Colossians 3 and 5 tells us, Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil consumptuousness, and covetousness, which is idolatry. In other words, all those things your fleshly mind is telling your body to do, don't do it. Open the mind that is attached to the word of God. Obey that mind. These are just a few things the flesh war with. Now, let's look at verse 2 of James 4. You lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lusts. One thing the Jews desired and asked for were things out of the lust and pleasure. Second, they asked for things for themselves. Things that were either unlawful or being lawful, they asked for them out of wicked motives and uses. They wanted worldly prosperity so they could engage in righteous living. Sound familiar? Some Jews believed their Messiah was to be a temporal prince who should enable them to be Lord over the heathen world. Verse 4 says, You adulterers and adulteress, know ye not, that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Romans 8, 7 and 8 says, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. James speaks like this because it is not natural adultery he is talking about. It is spiritual adultery. The exceeding love of this world is called spiritual adultery because it draws away the love of the soul from God and dissolves the spiritual marriage between God and the soul. It means first, you gave yourselves to the Lord and had a relationship with him, but then you go back and have an affair with the, with the world. This is spiritual adultery. Mm -hmm. It is what you would call leaving your first love. Looking at verse five. <clears throat> Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit, spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? As long as we live, there will be a war in our spirit. The flesh will always fight to get the upper hand. 
But if we can remember, it says, let God be true. And every man a liar, as is written. And remember, let patience have her perfect work. And if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God. And remember where faith comes from. Remember these things. And we will be able to overcome the battle of the flesh that lusts against the spirit. Verse six says, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. God gives abundant words to the humble. We who are spiritual, we who speak, seek his face, we who seek wisdom, we who need help and fight fleshly battles. If we yield and surrender our thoughts and mind to God, if we cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, we will find the victory in the battle we fight against the flesh. By the Spirit of God. Verse 8 says, Draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Draw nigh means to come closer to or nearer. Whether it is in this place, time, or relationship, we need to come nearer to God. And nearer to him in our relationship with him. Washing or cleansing the hands is a token of innocence and purity. It is like starting over or starting afresh as new. Let your whole conduct be changed and cease to do evil. Purify your hearts, meaning separate yourselves from the world and consecrate yourselves to God. This is the true notion of sanctification. Don't be Tossed by the waves with every wind of doctrine. Verse 9 says, Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Many of those that James addressed here live contrary to, to accepting orders. They departed or did not follow the usual pattern of God. It already has been spoken of the lust and pleasures. So they have been called adulterers and adulterous. For Christians today, these words can be addressed to those that profess the gospel of Jesus Christ and are both persecuted by both the world and the brethren in the faith because of these Things that or because of those that do not follow God's word, but follow the cares of this life. Matthew told us, blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted. And all the things they were doing when James addressed their ways, I believe the true the, the true turning of laughter to mourning and the true joy into heaviness was by the way of repentance. And even so, we know that without true and deep repentance, you cannot expect the mercy of God. And verse 10 tells us this. 
Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. First Peter 5, 6, and 7 echoes the same thing. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Humble is respectful and allows you to be meek. It is humility. Humility is doing those things that you did not intend to do willingly, without murmur or complaint. Now I ask you, when God asks you to do something, first of all, before God asks, did you intend to do it? Can I get a witness here? Let's look at three things. God asks you to forgive. God asks you to give. God asks you to love. Just in these three things, forgiveness is ringing in your heart when someone hurts you. You did not intend to, but God says forgive them. The same person asked for help in something. You were intending not to help, but you hear the voice again saying, help them. There they are in need of someone to love on and, and, to, and to be with them. Yep, you guessed it. God's voice again. Give them that love. These are just a few ways how we can show humility. For as often as you do it unto least of these little ones, you have done it unto me. Look at verse 11. Speak not evil one of another. Brethren, he that speaketh evil of his brother and judges his brother, speaketh evil of the law and judges the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. Can I put it in these types of terms? We should be showing the world what unity is. We are not here to hurt our brothers and sisters. We are here to help them. We are not here to be the judge and jury. We are here to be the forgiving committee. Verse 12 says, there is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy, who art thou that judges another. Judgment is in God's hands. And we who are Christians are judged by the words he has spoken to us. Listen to what it says in verse 13 through 15. Because this is what we do. Go to now ye that say today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanish away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. We have no idea if we will be around to do anything. Many times we take for granted that we will be here to do things. Some brag about what they are going to do. They speak it as if they have the power to do it. What we should put in our treasure when we speak is if the Lord allows or if the Lord will, Lord willing, I will do this or that. In that statement alone, we acknowledge who we are and whose we are and who has the power. In that statement, we simply are making our petition known to him. Verse 16 says, 
But now you rejoice and your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. You go boasting in your pride. Never brag about what you can do. Man is good at bragging at who and what he does best. We cannot rely on our own skills thinking we know it all. You cannot plan a future and think you will not encounter failure somewhere. Part of 1 Corinthians 5 and 6 said your glory is not good. The rich man in the scriptures bragged of what he had and boasted in himself how he would tear down and build bigger. But he did not know his soul would be required that night. We don't know when or where. But in everything, we should give thanks and acknowledge what you we may do, Lord willing, and we live. Verse 17, therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. We are going to stop here, Lord willing, and we will meet on Sunday. With that, my time is up and I thank you for Lord.